Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh. How you doing? Good, Christian. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Yeah, thanks to you, too. Today is November 28th. It's actually a Saturday morning at 1030-ish, and we're all just a little bit, hey, are we awake? (laughs) (laughs) So you have to excuse us. But good. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. And speaking of us, we also have with us Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey there. And the business manager extraordinaire, Hunter Taylor. How you guys doing? Good. Good morning. So, good morning. Uh, good morning. As Christian said, this is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We don't really, we're all shell shocked. Not sure what's going on. Um, but Christian, Christian's still on pain meds, so beware. <laughs> all right. You had a back surgery. Uh, that's going generally well, correct? Yeah, it, it is. I am feeling better. I had a huge, you know, allergic reaction to adhesive bandages of all things, which has, you know, been driving me insane. But it seems to be getting better every day. I think the biggest thing that uh, has happened since I had my surgery is I used to wake up every morning at four or five in the morning in such excruciating pain. I couldn't lay in bed anymore. And like now I didn't wake up till nine o'clock this morning and my son was calling me from Germany and I was like, what? It's nine o'clock. Get out of bed. So I'm going to have to actually start setting an alarm. So that's a good problem to have. It means my back is, is healing and so that's awesome. But the last time we saw you, Josh, you were through a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in Springfield, <laughs> Illinois right now, uh, about to leave. And last time you saw me, I was in a car leaving Springfield, Illinois. I've been coming here quite a bit, but uh, but I got, I got Wi-Fi now, so I'm good to go. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, it's interesting. You're back and forth uh, between uh, Springfield and um you know, the Wheaton, Illinois area, you know, largely to take care of your parents. And, you know, I know that that's a big challenge. I really appreciate you uh, being able to make time for us in light of that. And as I was thinking about that this morning, one thing I wanted to share in regards to film production over a long period of time is we started this back in 2017. Here it is, um, almost 2021. And as I was thinking about all of the people's life events, you know, when you make a film, life does not stop. Um, When you're in principal photography, it does seem like it does for a little while. You're living in a bubble with people. If you're on location, you're traveling all around and like you have to forget the rest of the world, your family or your bills or everything gets put on hold. And you're sort of all focused on this one major effort to get these things done in this short window of time because there's money and time involved. And but life doesn't stop. Family problems don't stop. Illness doesn't stop. Bills don't stop. And I was counting sort of... Pandemics start. (laughs) And pandemics could start and don't seem to stop. Um, And I was thinking about this because at one point, I remember counting that we had eight deaths to people on our crew in a very short period of time, like about four months. And I remember hearing things, you know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark and several other different productions where they seemed cursed because of all these things that happened, right? And and I felt that way at the time. 
because people were either getting really sick or they were losing their grandparents or their parents or, and then it dawned on me that it, a film takes a really long time. It takes a long time. Life happens during that time. So people do lose people close to them or people do get sick and you have to take time away from that production oftentimes to deal with family matters. And so I would say for people that are listening, first time filmmakers, um, you need to just take that into account. Know that there is a personal cost when you get involved in a big project like this and don't let it take you by surprise. And Josh, I mean, you can speak firsthand. How, how easy is it to manage fam, you know, family challenges from a distance while you're trying to have a job and a family? Uh, it's not easy. However, uh, it's always good to have uh, support systems in place. And so we've got, I've got awesome sisters, awesome aunt. Um, so there, there's a good support system for sure. And without basically a team, it would be near impossible. Yeah. And teamwork does make the dream work. That is a trite saying, but it's super true. And that's why I'd say cultivating healthy family and friend relationships when you're on a film project is critical. I could have never made it without my family. Speaking of which, um, I still remain completely amazed um, at the difference that Hunter has made as he's come on board our project. We want to talk a little bit about that um, in just a few minutes. I want to give you a quick update. There's not a lot to update you on and sometimes that happens in the film world not a lot happens um it has been thanksgiving week it's been very quiet the last time we talked our dvd came in that was exciting uh library of congress received our um copyright uh materials so that was done we are still working on the list of distribution deliverables one thing that i'm thinking about that's on our list this week is the rights bible um we have it in a google form Format, and we are going to have to uh, take it and put it in a format that a distributor would ask for. Or if you have um, releases that were signed, they don't want to, you to send them a thousand releases. They would like you to put those releases into one PDF document. And so there's a lot of you know basic formatting like that that takes a lot of time that we're going to have to do. And we received some rejections this week that really hurt. Um, one of them was from Slam Dance. We didn't get in. And uh, we got rejected from another veteran film festival which is just mind-boggling i don't understand it um so other than those things there wasn't a lot that happened this week the most exciting thing that's happened um, is watching hunter process how to try to take us into the next phase of production and as a creative, my mind went straight away to, all right, we're wrapping up this other project. I have these other film ideas. We need to start working on those. So let's let's get those projects going. Let's start meeting regularly. Let's put together a production schedule. Let's bring on people that we need to bring on. And, um, and Hunter started saying, whoa, 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 hang on. If we're going to do this, we need to make sure that we... Uh, we rethink things from the beginning. And I think he, being on these film festival uh, experiences with me, has heard some things and learned some things that's caused him some pause. And he's been pondering about what we do next. So, Hunter, why don't you share with us sort of what you've learned over the last few weeks and, uh, you know, what you're thinking about now? Well, sure. I mean, going through the film festival 
circuit um, over the past few months. It's been illuminating. At the same time, I am wondering how much of my perspective has been colored by the state of film festivals during a pandemic. And I'm wondering if that's been playing into it at all. So I'm having to try to balance my perspective with that understanding. At the same time, a common theme that I keep hearing from all of the different filmmakers that we're being introduced to and that we're networking with is that they keep reiterating that documentaries don't make money. That, that it's just, it's just a, you know, a, a labor of love and that that's the only reason why people make documentaries. Um, and so I started thinking about that and it just, it, I, I almost kind of just don't believe it. I just don't think that it's been done efficiently. And the reason why is because documentaries have value. People watch documentaries. People enjoy documentaries. If they didn't, then people wouldn't make them. So if there's value there, that, that, that means that there's value that can be extracted. Um, and that's all that a business is. And, and so the way that I've been looking at this is I'm just trying to understand maybe there's a better model to producing documentaries. Maybe there, I don't, you know, and, and we're trying to work through this, um, you know, whether that's increasing the production quality or maybe it's drastically decreasing your costs. Or maybe it's figuring out a streamlined distribution channel. Maybe there's a better way to go about doing that. Um, and so we're just, I'm, you know, the process that I'm going through right now is working with Christian, working with Bill, um, and, and we're trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to make? Um, but on top of that, what do viewers want to see? Um, what's the market? What's the demand? Um, but at the same time, is there a, an efficient model where we can extract that value, which translates into revenue? And let me explain a little bit of why that mantra keeps being said, that documentaries don't make money. There are many reasons, and that is a broad generalization. There are plenty of documentaries that do make money. So for, you know, you're Ken Burns, you're going to make money, um, a along with uh, several, you know, host of other things. I mean, there are plenty of documentaries that do make money. Usually, they are the ones that have a big, huge either name behind them or some sort of, um, you know, big, you know, entertainment company whose costs can be managed. And documentaries are different than narrative or series in that people want to rewatch. I mean, my husband loves the sound of music. He must have watched it probably a thousand times by now, like over and over and over again. He just loves it. Well, he is not going to watch the girl who wore freedom, no matter how much he loves it, you know, a thousand times. So people are not going to rebuy or rewatch a documentary, you know, usually. Um, again, that's a broad generalization. But once you've learned information, uh, you usually want a new information, you know, a deeper dive into whatever that information is. So that's number one. It's different in the way that it's consumed. Um, number two, documentaries are, um, they just don't bring as much money when you go to license them. So the way that it normally works is we will take our film to a distributor. We will give them a license. Typically right now it's a five-year license. They do not typically for an independent producer like me, give you any money upfront whatsoever. 
they will then take your documentary and they will try to license it first to the big broadcast stations, History Channel, American Heroes Network in our case, or whatever. And that licensing deal will be for a year or two. And then money will be exchanged to the distributor. But it's not going to be, you know, $50,000. It will be more like maybe ten. dollars you know, maybe less. And so then that money goes to the distributor. Part of that is then shared with us. And, you know, a History Channel is not going to buy or license this documentary for a year if we're going to sell it, you know, 5,000 other places. So there's sort of this hierarchy. It goes from, you know, television and broadcast licensing to then the streaming services to then, you know, DVDs to then libraries or whatever. The path is the path whatever the path is. And with each successive, um, you know, different sale, the price decreases. And so you begin spreading that among, um, you know, the, the distributor takes a cut, then it goes to the production company or to and then that goes to pay off costs. And then, then by the time it trickles down, there's not a lot of profit left. There is a long tail that over time you may be able to make um, some profit. But for the most part, with a passion project, particularly when you're first starting out and you're an independent you know, producer, you're just hoping not to lose money. <laughs> and so that's the situation in which we find ourselves. And Hunter is saying okay, for our next one, let's figure out how we can do this differently. So. Well, and, and how we can replicate it. We, you know, something that's, that's a repeatable process. So, um, you know, it, it sounds like the future of this company, uh, you know, with Christian and Bill is that they want to continuously create content. And so I'm trying to figure out what's, what's a repeatable model that that's tested and proven and, and we're going to be looking at every section of the industry. You know, we're going to be looking at different ways for distribution. I mean, we're going to question everything. Uh, and but at the end of the day, you know, what we need to figure out is is how do we streamline this process? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and again, there are a few key elements. People, good people, is the first one, and vetting those people. And understanding if they have the same vision that you have, the same commitment and work, work ethic that you have, the same drive and determination that you have. So Bill and I have both brought people to the table and we've had to have these conversations with them. You know, uh, any sort of film project is a long-term project. It's not something that's going to be quick. And you need to think about, do you have time for this in your life? Do is this something that you are able to make time for or that you're really interested in? You know, can you make this commitment to us? Um, what but, but, kind on, of- but, but on top of that as well, on the other side of that is we need to figure out how we're providing value to our, our people, our employees. You know, what do what are they looking to get out of it? What what how do they benefit from joining on in the organization? Is it uh, many of them are young young people who are trying to break into the industry, and that's been that's been one of our greatest ways that we've been able to give back to our our volunteers and employees. Is uh, you know Christian's done a wonderful job of mentoring these young people coming into the industry. So you know it's it's really figuring out that balance between finding the right people, uh, the people that can give you time, the people who can who are competent, um, qualified, and who uh, are passionate about what they're doing. 
But then on top of that, we want to make sure that we're a good fit for them, that we're that we're benefiting and blessing their lives. So, you know, it's it in the more variables you put on, the more the more uh, that you're trying to accomplish in that relationship, the harder it is to find people like that. And so um, I think Christian's absolutely right, is that, you know, the people of any organization are arguably the most important thing when it comes to that industry or that business. Yeah, it's building a stable foundation with which you can build on. And that's what we're doing right now. So, you know, Bill and I have had some long, hard talks, and we will do more about uh, the mission and the vision and the hope of this new company. We share a love of, of documentaries. So we know we're going to be focusing on that. Right now, we've got a lot of connection and interest around the World War II genre. Uh, but, but bigger than that, what we've discovered is that we love mentoring. And we want to enable new creatives to be able to learn and grow, give them a place to succeed and fail in a safe way so that then they can go out and make new projects. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, we've been talking a lot about those things. And then we've realized we still are in a situation where we do not have any investors yet. So we're still going to have to work on the volunteer model. So Hunter's been working on how to find volunteers that will come into our organization where we can provide value. And this week has had some interesting results. Hunter, why don't you share a little bit about that journey? Um, <laughs> sure. So one of the things that I recognize that, that we need to kind of get some help with is that um, right now, Christian, Bill, myself, Melissa, um, we're all wearing a lot of different hats. We're all trying to uh, accomplish many different things. Not only, you know, for me, for example, not only am I working on data, but I'm also working on overall company strategy. On top of that, I'm working on the, the uh, negotiation and contracts. And the more that we spread ourselves thin, the less uh, efficiently we're able to do any single one of those those tasks. So uh, I, I've decided that I think one of the first things that we need to work on is um, getting a hiring uh, a human resource manager, somebody to come in and, and be a director in that field that's able to uh, find the people that we need and really caretake for our employees and make sure that, you know, they're taken care of, that we come up with employee recognition, you know, uh, recognition programs, that we have policies and, and job descriptions actually laid out um, to, to try to bring some clarity to the organization. And hopefully that my hope here is that this person that we bring on um, will be able to lift a lot of that burden. Um, and so let's see, I, I can actually, let's see if I can go here real quick. I can give you an exact update. Um, Let's see. So uh, if anybody's interested in applying for any of the Normandy positions, we're currently using LinkedIn. So you can go find us on LinkedIn. Um, and let's see. We well, and I think that's what's interesting. Hunter, th this journey was Hunter found a thing where it said for three days for free, you can post this advertisement on LinkedIn. And we did that. And at that time, we were looking for uh, a webmaster. We still are, by the way. And um he got, well, we brought on a webmaster intern, but we are looking for more of the, the manager for the webmaster. Yeah. yeah. And so he brought in and we got these great applications. And then three days later, they all disappeared and we couldn't contact them because we didn't want to pay $29 a day or whatever it was. So then Hunter had to go back to the drawing board. He figured out that there was an, uh, an ability to provide job postings on LinkedIn for free. And so he posted this. By that time, we realized we really needed an HR person. And so he posted an HR um, want ad. 
So I posted, I posted two days ago and um, we currently are sitting at 36 very well qualified applicants. And so my, my whole next week is going to be going through and trying to find, you know, the, the good, a good fit for our company. But, um, you know, we're just thankful. We're thankful that the Lord has brought, you know, these, these applicants who are interested in volunteering. I mean, that's been, that's been the, the best part of this experience is to see how many people are willing to volunteer their time in order to come on board and, and help shape this organization and, you know, and figure out how to drive this, this business forward. And, uh, you know, and the, the goal is, is that these volunteers, they come on board now with the girl who are freedom and they start, you know, uh, getting experience, they start um, really contributing. And then when we start up this new organization, we'd like to be able to offer uh, all of these people, you know, paid positions once we figure out the business model and our funding method. <laughs> Yeah, I've just been shocked at the quality of people that are willing to volunteer, and I'm sure the pandemic helps us. But I would say take courage for those of you that are just starting out. If you treat things like a business, you take your time and you really do look for good volunteers, there are people out there that may be willing to switch industries and learn something and can bring something from real world uh, that can help you build a better film production company. So, well, and I and I do think that that's been one of the main reasons why we have so many applicants who are qualified is because I think that we are in a an interesting industry. I mean, media and entertainment. Everybody, you know, has that dream of of going to Hollywood. I'm not even a very social person, but I've I've even fantasized about you know becoming a, an actor. You know. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I think that we are in a very interesting industry that people want to get into. And so I think that that's why we have all of these wonderful applicants. It really is going to be very hard to go through and, and, you know, narrow down the list of applicants because, you know, of these 36, the vast majority of them would be qualified. So that's what we've been doing this week. <laughs> Counting well, our exciting. blessings. Well, I, I would make a plug. I'm sure you've read this book, uh, Phil Vischer's Me, Myself, and Bob, The Story of VeggieTales. And uh, I, I was there when they just hired uh, HR. And because they were running by the seat, how do you say that? Running by the seat of your pants, right? You know, like you're, they're just figuring things out while the train was moving. And, uh, you know, th who knows what the right way you know, it is to build, you know, create a, a, a team, a business when you're supposed to do things first. And, and, uh, and so it sounds good that you were thinking of these things in advance because I, I think most companies like Phil's, you know, they were thinking of these things as they needed them and people were wishing that they were in place prior, but th that's, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? You can't always predict the future. You don't know what you're going to need. And so thinking of these things in advance are, uh, are good. Uh, but learning from other people's, uh, you know, lessons like Phil's, for example, it would be uh, valuable as well amongst other business well, owners, what, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, and I would say one of the, the greatest lessons that I learned in the military would be the seven P's, which would be proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, and so that's exactly what we're trying to do is, is, you know, you can't see everything. You can't predict everything. Um, but we would like to front load uh, a lot of these questions, a lot of this planning so that, you know, when we do have to, you know, fire and adjust, when we do have to make adjustments down the road, they're the, the minute uh, adjustments, not, not huge, massive changes. Yep. So that's it for this week. Hopefully somebody can, <laughs> can get something good out of that. Seven P's. That was yeah, great. The seven P's. Do that one more time, Hunter. Uh, the proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. There you go. The seven P's. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, awesome. Well, hey, everyone. Um, Christian, you, before we wrap up, where do we need to go to donate, buy uh, merch and all yep. that other good stuff. Yep. The girl who wore freedom.com is your home space for just about everything. We've got um, some deals going on in the shop right now. And we really, really, really could use some donations to pay our bills this month. Uh, and, and if you're not going to, if you're not able to donate, then pray that God would bring us what we need to pay the things we need to pay. And by the time you listen to this, it's December. It's the end of the year. Donations are uh, tax deductible, correct? That's exactly right. Yes, they right, are. So this is a great uh, opportunity or time to do this. So um, so if, if you're able and willing, now is a great time for you to do it. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. We really appreciate you listening and following along on our journey. And thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. You sure can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.